Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Um, today, we're really happy to have another guest on with us, um, Justin Nickerson from um, Apollo Auctions. And the last time we spoke, Justin was actually back in March 2022, earlier this year, a long time ago. Feels like a decade ago, doesn't it? <laughs> it certainly does. And welcome back to the podcast again. Now, for those that are regular listeners, you'll know that we've interviewed Justin. Um, this is now the third um, update that he's going to provide in terms of what's happening um, in Brisbane. Justin is um, an award-winning auctioneer who is very present on Saturdays. I know we bump into each other quite often um, out and about on Saturdays, but um, I think that his business Apollo Auctions gets a really good snapshot view of what's happening across the market at various um, segments through their work as auctioneers. So the purpose of today's podcast is really just to provide a snapshot view from your perspective in terms of what you're seeing in the market, because I think that the data that you collect um, in terms of the number of bidders and um, clearance rates, it's sometimes a little bit different to what we might see from the big um, data portals such as CoreLogic or REA or even um, Domain. So it's really good to get something that's a bit more granular and a bit more accurate. So welcome to the podcast. Can't, can't wait to get into it. Yeah, thanks for having me again, guys. Much appreciated. So Justin, I know that um, I know it's always nice for you to, out on weekends to see someone from the Streamline Property Buyers team walk into one of your auctions. We we have a smile and a laugh and um, and usually get to business, but it, it is good to see, um, see you out and about. And um, I know we have that professional relationship um a bit of an overview mate what, what are you what are you seeing at the moment obviously since march when we spoke which was a completely different market um to now a lot of things have changed what are you sort of seeing out there in the um in the auction space yeah look it's just i guess probably normalized a bit is the easiest um way to put an overarching kind of description on it um and we had a we had a year last year that was just a an incredible year by every stretch and measure a year that I'd never seen before in my career. Um, and I think most or a lot of agents and auctioneers would, would agree and say they'd never, they'd never seen the conditions that we had last year, but that it was, it was always going to be temporary um, and it was always going to end at some point. And, and certainly, you know, the handbrake got pulled up to a certain extent in the early part of the year, which, which caused a bit of hesitation. But I think mostly it's the market's just normalised. We have, there's still a degree of people out there who want to buy. There's, there's still a degree about there people who want to sell and, and those transactions, while they aren't happening um, as easy as they were last year with the, the intense fear and intense competition that we're experiencing, it's just a more sustainable market that we're presently in than what last year was. So um, it's been an, a, an adjustment for everyone. It was an adjustment last year. It's an adjustment again this year. And um, I'm sure like the market always does, it won't stay as it is for a long period of time. There'll be some subtle change one way or another and, um, then we'll have to adjust to that, but that's part of our role and, and what we do is try to adapt to market conditions as best we can um, and try and understand, you know, what are the key things that are shaping the decisions of sellers and decisions of buyers and, and work within those frameworks. One good um, point that you've made, obviously, last year, 2021, um, I'd argue a period of 18 months from late 2020 through to probably the end of February this year here in Brisbane, it was an abnormal market. A lot of people compare what's happening now to what that market was um, at that time. But that being abnormal um, completely sort of um, 
changes our perspective on what is normal because we were in a very reactive market. Now, at that time, I'm assuming as an auctioneer, you didn't have to pause an auction very often. Things were selling. You had multiple registered bidders. Um, that, I assume, has changed this year. And uh, you're having to use some negotiation skills once again um, to bring buyers and sellers together. Is that the case? Is that what you've been seeing? Yeah, very much so. Last year was, um, you know, negotiation always became a thing of the past. In last year, we most auctions would start off with, a, with an aggressive opening bid. There'd be spirit bidding. You'd roll past the reserve at some point. You'd you'd declare the property selling, and then you know you'd um, you'd sell it for an amazing price. The sellers happy. You'd high five on the way out, and you'd jump in your car and sort of rinse and repeat. That was kind of the way it went down. This year, it's very much back to what it always has been in Southeast Queensland, which is takes a bit of work to get an opening bid. Um, you might have a little bit of competition there and then it's a stop, negotiate, um, try and close down a gap between the sellers and the buyers. And that's that's just returned back to what it, what it used to be like. I think um, the point you made early on there is a really true one is we, we suffer by comparison to last year. Like it feels a lot tougher and a lot harder than what it is because of last year being fresh in our minds. Um, the biggest statistic that we point to is last year the average number of registered bidders in Brisbane was over nine per auction. This year it's it's two or or slightly above or slightly below two depending on the week. So it's just the depth of competition or the depth of buyers has has dropped. Um, there's still people wanting to transact unquestionably, but that depth of buyers just just isn't there, and that's that's changed the way that we've we've needed to do things. Um, so yeah, well, last year was a really enjoyable year. It was fun in a lot of ways and shapes and forms, but. Um, this year, it's it's certainly back to that negotiation being, you know, really as an auctioneer, it's a it's a forefront skill that you need to have to to sort of survive in this market, or else it's going to be hard work for you. So, just as a, a bit of a, a bit of an insight, I guess behind the scenes, Justin, just for our listeners, as a general sort of Saturday for you for an auction, last year you you would have been pretty much auction in the car, auction straight away, and and running from auction to auction and without much of a break. With that negotiation stage now, are you stretching your times between auctions so that you've got that little bit of space where you can pick up a piccolo on the way and have a little break or allow for that um, time to negotiate? Have you had to change the way you work because of the way the market is that way now? Yeah, very much so. We're lucky that we had probably eight or nine years of of um, the normal market, so to speak, before last year. So we were well-versed in kind of the amount of time that it took traditionally to do an auction. The thing that was interesting last year was just how much faster auctions were. So most auctions last year were were around the 10-minute mark, like they were just short of 10 minutes or just over 10 minutes if they had a lot of bidding because the thing that actually holds auctions up, it's actually not the bidding, it's actually negotiation that, that drags lengths of, of, um, of auctions out. So, yeah, that's very much an adaptation we've had to make this year is more time between auctions to allow us time to negotiate um, effectively and, and not have any time pressure at the other end. Um, don't get too many breaks for a piccolo on a Saturday, unfortunately. The things that get sacrificed are your piccolo, your lunch, and generally the bathroom break. Um, <laughs> come come late in the day, you're usually busting for a, for a coffee. Um, you're busting to go to the bathroom and you're hungry as as, um, as anything. So, yeah, it, um, it's, just been a di- it's just been, I guess, back to what we've been used to this year. Um, but because last year is, like I said, so fresh in our minds, it just kind of – you're thinking back to an oh well last year we didn't have to do this and last year we didn't have mm-hmm. to do that but remembering the pre-covid you know we talk about clearance rates as an example and, and clearance rates you know can sometimes not necessarily measure what we think they do but they the pre-covid clearance rates were in the mid 40s and, and we've been sort of above a 60 or around 60 for the last you know three or four months so we're still in a very superior market to pre-covid it's just because last year being so fresh in our minds um like i said making it feel a bit more challenging than what it is 
And that's interesting. So when you talk about the buyer depth and that change, again, if we reflect on last year where you mentioned you had approximately nine registered bidders per auction here in Brisbane, and now that's um, two, give or take. You might have three at one, two at another. Um, and I follow your data, so I think your average is around 2.8 um, over the last, you know, most recent months. Now, not everybody that registers will become a bidder, of course, and we can talk about that when we get into some stats a little bit later. But um, I'd love to understand whether you think that the impact of rising interest rates has had a, an influence on people not being ready to bid. Um, and therefore there, there may be more conditional buyers on the side or whether you think that is a reflection of a true um, decline in the demand for those properties or is it a combination of both? I think it's unquestionably a combination of both. There's been people that have had um, approvals to certain limits that have been snatched at the last minute or changed upon them, banks taking time to get documentation through. But I think also... Last year, if we look at it on a wider picture, last year the biggest fear that most buyers had was missing out and being priced out of the market. So they were willing to take risks. Uh, they were willing to overlook issues with properties. You know, all those things sort of went to the went to the wayside just because their their fear was we don't buy a property today. In a year's time, we're probably not going to be able to buy the property we want or the location that we want. So we just need to look past the fact that you know, it may have got a little bit of water when, when the rains came or um, the fourth bedroom's a bit small or a cops to Western Sun or there's some road noise or whatever. They just weren't factors. This year, because of the fact that the biggest fear is of overpaying and being, you know, um, hung out to dry by the market, so to speak, little issues are huge issues. They're barriers to, to purchasing. Um, so I think that's also affected the buyers. They're just less inclined to take risks. Well, that's okay. We don't need to put ourselves under the strain of bidding at this auction because if we don't get this one, that's okay. We'll just wait and pick one off, um, which, you know, sometimes we become prisoners of, of, I guess, the moment where we think that the present market conditions are going to stay forever. You know, unquestionably sellers were, vict were, um, were victims or, um, guilty of this, depending how you look at it last year, where they said, well, we'll just hang on because in a year's time, we'll sell our property and we'll be worth another 20%. And there'll be an awful lot of sellers who wish they'd sold it in late 2022, early 20, sorry, late 2021, early 2022, that now have missed that boat. And I, I think it's going to work on the other side too. The buyers are going to wait for that perfect time. And as we know, the perfect time is only the perfect time in hindsight once the perfect time has passed. So we're saying to buyers and, and sellers, don't let a very good time pass by to try and get the perfect time because if you get that timing wrong your risk and reward you know isn't in your favor so yeah i just think that's been the factors and those those couple of things have coupled those those lower lower um lower numbers but also last year we had the perfect storm of interstate migration absolutely going off people coming back from overseas um you know being um being present in the market as well we had interest rates incredibly favorable to investors uh, people wanted to buy into the market all these factors you know, sort of coupled at once. Um, and a lot of those have kind of either dropped off slightly or significantly this year, and that's then reduced that buyer pool down as well. But we are finding that the premium buyers are still there. There's still generally one or two buyers on each property that really want it uh, and are willing to transact. The issue that we're having in some cases is are, the sell are they being met with a willing seller on the other side? Um, mm. And if the answer is yes, we're selling them. If the answer is no, the sellers aren't aren't selling them um, and still, you know, hanging on to their properties for, for weeks and months after the auction has occurred. And, and I think that's interesting. Like what you were talking about, that impact and the influence that things have on media, obviously, 
has a major impact on that. Um, you know, you see the headlines, and I think there was other things to talk about as well. Past um, now, when the media gets on, they talk about interest rates and property prices crashing, everything like that. Um, just touching on what you said there at the last bit about you're talking about the buyers and the sellers, Justin, and, and we obviously working with with buyers, and you're obviously working with sellers. The, the gap between the buyer and the seller, how, how are you seeing that at the moment? Is there still a big gap? Obviously, the negotiations are a big part where you've got to work with both parties mm-hmm. to try and close that gap up. How are you seeing that at the moment? Is it closing up and getting tighter? Yeah, the gap's actually narrowed in a lot of cases. And, and what we're putting it down to is that the sellers, um, most sellers have got a realistic outlook on the market at the moment. And that, that realistic outlook on the market is being shaped by what you said there, Scott, which is predominantly the media um, reporting. Now, I don't necessarily think the market's crashing, um, but I don't think solid, stable market sells too many newspapers or generates too many clicks. So yeah. the market's either booming or crashing. It's funny that, um, and you know, we we had, um, I'm not sure when this is getting released, we had the block on recently and, and the flow and effect for us as auctioneers, the block is what happens on the block always kind of gets replicated in various ways um, at auction day. And it's hard because, you know, what the media reports is not necessarily accurate to their area, to their property, to to that person. Um, what happens on the block is a reality TV show and bears little resemblance to what happens in in um, on a Saturday at an auction. So it is about education and understanding, and we've got to sort of try and be at the forefront of that. And that's where we try and produce as much accurate data as we can. And one thing we're really proud of is we've never manipulated that data. If it's if it's um, a low clearance rate week, it's a low clearance rate week. If it's low registered bidders or they're not engaging, that's what we report. And I think uh, producing that kind of accurate data is helpful because people do get a, a wider lens and understanding on that market rather than relying on you know, what the front page of the paper um, might be saying to, to try and sell papers or to generate clicks. So, yeah, it's a difficult one. It's one we wrestle with all the time, but that gap is definitely closed because of the fact I think sellers um, have, uh, I guess, alerted themselves to the fact that the market may not be where they where they wished it to be. And I think the opposite's all, also true. You know, there's a lot of buyers that we talk to that think that the market has crashed 20% because they have been potentially um, reading news headlines and assuming that, you know, what they may have had to have paid for a property, um, you know, eight months ago, it, it may be worth 20% less today. And, of course, it's simply not true because it's very, one, it's property dependent um, and there's certainly some properties that might be more than 20% um, devalued from from this time last year especially those that are flood impacted you know we've been at auctions that haven't had any registered bidders for homes that have been damaged um, in the most recent flood effect uh, sorry the, the most recent flood event so it's obviously um, relative to the demand and you've mentioned buyers are less willing to make compromises right now and it's exactly what we're seeing as well and you know quality always attracts the, the higher levels of demand and, you know, some of the auctions that we've attended even in the last four to six weeks, um, you know, we've been bidding at auctions where there's been 14 registered bidders, seven registered bidders, um, you know, and then at others where there's only been ourselves as the only registered bidder, which, you know, is an indication of how mixed this market, you know, is at the moment. Um, the other thing you mentioned is around um, the fact that the days on market um, numbers, they are actually trending much higher for Brisbane. Um, and you've mentioned also that's a reflection where sellers may not be willing to meet the market and so they may not sell at auction. Same with private treaty sale. They don't sell, so they just sit on the market. There's no urgency to sell. 
So from a buyer's perspective, understanding the motivation of the seller is often beneficial to know whether there is an opportunity to push harder on price or not, um, because if there's no motivation to sell, sellers just may not you know, have the appetite to, to consider meeting the market. Um, the fact that you said the gap is narrowed, I think that's actually something that we're observing as well. Um, and your role in a sales agent's role is to educate the seller around current market values, not what the market, you know, may have been 12 months ago. But that's our job also as buyer's agents. And, you know, what we do is educate our buyer around current market conditions and around current values. Again, not reflecting back on on where we may have been previously. And I think that, you know, as professionals in the industry, our job is to bring a buyer and a seller together because the property that's for sale today is not going to be the same property that's for sale three months from now or six months from now. And if it is the right home or the right investment for someone that's looking for a long-term opportunity, then we always recommend that the time to buy is when you can afford to do so, which is um, is is today or, or tomorrow or, um, you know, for some people it might be a few months, you know, from now. Just not, uh, interesting you mentioned about the block, and I'm not a block watcher at all, but when you talk about the it's a television show, um, it, it is true, being a builder, um, I don't think there's many people that can get trades that quick, get things built that quick. Um, it's the same thing, obviously, selling it. Um, it is a TV show, so, um, yeah. yeah I, I don't watch it either, Scott, but there was so much chatter about it on Monday that I figured I'd better watch it because... Um, we're going to have issues with vendors and things this week. And I had an auction last night where we had to, we had to correct something that they believe because they watch the show. And um, yeah, and that, that's, that it is what it is, but it sort of rolls around every year, but no, I don't really watch it either. I think, yeah. um, you know, as, as people involved in the industry, we, we sort of see it like it's a reality TV show and not accurate representation, but I'm sure there's a lot of industries like that. Yeah. We watch, we're watching Grey's Anatomy at the moment and, I'm sure that's not real life, and I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that goes on in hospitals that's that's not accurate for. But you know, unless you're in the industry, you don't really know. It's a good point, actually, and um, you know, I think that it's an indication of how the perceptional mindset of buyers can, or and also sellers, vendors can be influenced by the mass media, by reality TV shows, by things that aren't actually relative or, or you know accurately representing the the real situation. Um, I know on our podcast, we often talk about what the media headlines might be reporting, but then what we're actually seeing on the ground. I think the same reflects in data itself, because data in property can have so much compositional bias. Um, You know, you mentioned if there's a seller that, you know, is not prepared to meet the market, then they just sit on the market. They don't actually become part of the data. Um, And yet those properties that are selling, if there's more properties selling below the median for a particular location than there are above the median, then naturally the median for the whole area is actually going to start to to track downwards as well. Um, There's some interesting data that um, has come out recently, which we're hoping to run a podcast on, which actually demonstrates that there's been a compositional shift in some parts of Brisbane in terms of the types of properties that are selling. So fewer really, you know, premium homes in certain locations and more renovators and um, more original homes, which can actually impact on on those data trends. So from your perspective as an auctioneer, what are the most popular auctions at the moment? Like where are you seeing the strongest buyer demand? Is it on um, those those higher end homes or homes that are move in ready, completely renovated or, or new builds, or is it on homes that need a little bit of work? Where's that demand sitting from your perspective? 
Yeah, well, for the first time ever, the, the most popular properties we've always been at auction have always been renovators because renovators bring in every buyer group. Um, they bring in people who want to move into a suburb, people who want to um, construct, you know, their own property really within reason, um, you know, all that kind of thing. What's happened this year is it's because of trades, which you mentioned, Scott, being so hard to get, but also um, the cost of building going up so much is it's definitely flicked towards finished products. So I'd say the most popular ones we're doing now are things that are within that inner city or inner outer ring. So not necessarily the really tight ring to the CBD, but the next ring out, which are the kind of lifestyle suburbs, uh, finished products in those lifestyle suburbs that are that are good sort of family properties. Um, they, there's an appetite for them that's, that's sort of far outweighing everything else. Um, just to go back, what you mentioned there around data is, is really interesting one. And, and I think we always talk about clearance rates and, and clearance rates are held up as an example of, you know, buyers and how strong markets are. I've always believed that clearance rates actually measure seller sentiment, not buyer strength. Mm. So clearance rates just measure the percentage of sellers who are prepared to accept and transact at the present market conditions. Um, so last year we had clearance rates of 90%, 85%. That just means the sellers were very happy with the conditions and willing to transact. This year we have less sellers who are willing to, to, to do so. So I think, um, you know, data can be manipulated in any way that you like to, to shape whatever argument that you want to you want to hold. But I think it's important to just remember that it is only just data, like it's just information and, and what actually happens live on a Saturday is your best source of information that, um, you, that you can ever see. But yeah, it's been an interesting trend that, and I think the other, the other trend we've noticed is apartments and units, uh, townhouses weren't ever as popular as homes, that they're becoming more popular now because again, that finished product thing, um, and not having to worry about a builder or, or any other costings, those, those already being done, um, have become more popular as well. So, yeah, it's been a quite a shift. Um, those two things weren't present, you know, in the, the uh, pre-COVID market, so to speak. So, yeah, it's been interesting that it's changed in that, in that manner. It's interesting that you talk about the data. I know on the first of every month, CoreLogic released their data, PropTrack released their data about median house price um, changes across every capital city and regional area throughout Australia. And I always think, what is the headline going to be? Regardless of what the data says, what is the headline going to be? Um, but what you said is absolutely spot on. It's not actually what that that headline is, what that median data trend is. It's actually what we're seeing on the ground by being out and about every Saturday, because I certainly have never seen a, a media headline, not, certainly not this year, um, you know, 50 groups turn up at the first open home for this particular property. I haven't seen headlines like that because it's all been doomsday headlines. And yet that's that's happening for some properties in some locations because we're seeing it by being out on the ground. And I think that's where data can be very general. And I think getting down to a granular level um, for both buyers and sellers to understand what are the market conditions for this type of product in this particular location, that's the sort of granular information that, helps buyers and sellers come to a determination of, of value because there's no negotiating a bargain on a home um, that's a very scarce opportunity where you've got 50 buyer groups coming through at the first open and and out of those seven or eight wanting to put forward an offer. There's no negotiation. It, it's, it's, you know, strong demand, limited supply. The price, That's going to escalate the price. So I think that's always useful to know. And you pointed out the most popular options for you at the moment, you know, are those homes that are, ready to move into new builds, um, obviously that's translating into higher numbers of registered bidders at those properties. Is that the case? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, just because your buy pool's wider. So, you know, um, I think if you look at a renovator at the moment, you've got to have someone who either has a large degree of patience or very, very deep pockets or both. Mm. Um, and most of the population aren't like that. They're, they're moving home because they want to move home. And, you know, particularly this time of year, we notice a real urge pre-Christmas. People want to get in pre-Christmas. They want to have Christmas lunch around, you know, the, the new backyard or the new swimming pool or, or whatever it might be. And, and renovators just take that out of the out of the picture. Like at the moment, realistically, if you're doing a major renovation, next Christmas will be a good outcome if you're in the property and it's done yeah. by then. Um, and we say that as someone who's just undertaken a renovation, so we know that we know that quite well. So I just think it's um it's recalibrating those expectations around what is there, and that's just been a change. Like we've always always said, if we had a renovator in a good suburb, that's the most popular option we can do. That's just not the case anymore. Um, yeah, that's just a change in the market, and in two years' time, it may be different again. You know, vacant lands become hard to sell again because builders and buildings and and things like that. So. Um, yeah, it'll change, but it'll just be a, a period I'd say it'll hold for a little while and then there might be some change on the horizon, I imagine. It's, it's exactly, I mean, what you've just said is exactly, and Melinda said, what we see out and about. Um, it, we saw a property, I think it was a week ago, it wasn't an auction campaign, but it was a brand new build in, in a really good suburb. They held three opens, I think it was a Friday, two on the Saturday, sold that week, cash unconditional. So it was so popular, there was lineups getting in there. It's the type of product that people want to buy because they're, yeah, people are scared if they don't have the right contacts or they can't get the trades, they do want that finished product. Um, probably a bit of a generation two thing, um, Justin, because I think younger generations this, these days want things finished and, and instant as well, um, as opposed to waiting and working really hard to improve them. That's a little bit of a touch on it, I think. Well, there's at least a, there's at least a couple of generations between you and I, Scott. So um, I can't <laughs> speak for your generation and you, you can't speak for mine. But I think that's I think it's... Um, uh, I think it's unquestionably people, you know, if you're move, wanting to move, no, and I'm, I'm one of the most impatient people on the planet, so I, I feel this, if you want to move, you want to move today and you want to be in your, your home and, you know, move for the reason that you're moving, which might be bigger house, better house, better location, whatever it might be, you know, waiting on that for, for now an extended period of time and also while the costs um, balloon on that as well is not an attractive proposition to most people, so which is understandable. Um, but I'm sure that'll that'll probably settle, and um, and then it might come back towards renovators being popular again. But it's just been an interesting change um, that, that's never been present before. Justin, we're obviously um, uh, about seven weeks out from Christmas at the time of recording. What's what happens in the auction space um, in the lead up to Christmas, and then you know early in the new year because obviously running auction campaigns. Um, do you get to take a bit of a break, have a bit of a holiday? Run us through what you, you see in the market um, in the next couple of months. Yeah, we run pretty deep up to Christmas. So we'll, we'll probably do auctions as a business so probably as late as the 22nd, I imagine, um, which is pretty pretty deep up till Christmas. Um, we then really have a, a pretty large industry shutdown for uh, or occupation shutdown for a couple of weeks. So we, we won't, as a business, we'll call very little between the 22nd and, and probably the 7th or 8th. Um, and then they'll start to sort of trickle in. So you do have, you know, a degree in that that second week. You might do a few in the third week. It's it's traditionally that Australia Day week is where volume starts to really come back. And I know we've got a number of auction uh, inner events lined up for that week already um, that that really look to kickstart businesses' years. So that'll be a really busy week for auctions that that Australia Day week. And then we're into February after that, and then it then it'll come back. And we notice. 
uh, our listing months, um, oh, sorry, our booking months, uh, September is always a really popular one because of the spring selling season. But February, March are always really popular as well because most people get their lives changed and sorted across that Christmas break. It takes them a little while to get the home ready and they get to the market in February for an auction in March. So um, that first quarter for us is always a really strong one and I, I don't anticipate that being any different next year. Um, and then before you know it, it's it's Easter and we're back on holidays again. And then then it's June and it's the end of financial year and then it's spring selling season and then we're back back jumping on here again. So, um, but the next couple of weeks or, or the next three few weeks will be really busy up until that that sort of uh, probably 18th to 22nd of December. Sounds like I'm in the wrong gig, Justin. It sounds like being an auctioneer, there's lots of um, holidays that you get to look forward to. I think, uh, you know, being a buyer's agent representing buyers, we're, we're pretty much you know, on call most of the time. So must uh, consider that in the future. Can you, hear those, can you hear, those, hear those violins going there, Melinda? I, <laughs> no, I, can, uh, I don't know how she'd go as an auctioneer. But. No, no. Um, yeah, there's I two bits. One is that we have a lot of holidays. The second one is that we do nothing all week and then they roll us out on a Saturday. So the amount of times I've been asked, what do you do all week? Um, yeah, one of my favourite questions. So, um, and usually I just say to sit at home and watch Ellen or Days of Our Lives or something. But uh <laughs> Yeah, that's that's not not uh, real life at all. Uh, nor would we expect. Nor would we expect that to be real life for you. I know that you're you're very hardworking, and there's a lot of um, meetings with vendors and and helping to educate them on market conditions. Um, in the same way that we educate our buyers. So um, don't try to crawl back now, Melinda. You've already thrown I've it already out there. Dug my hole. So yeah, you've already dug your hole now, so you can line it. <laughs> uh, while she got that violin out, I'll just let you know that we worked all week last week. We're out on Saturday at Opens and we actually went to an auction on Sunday. So, Wow. Welcome to my life, mate. So how did it feel? <laughs> <laughs> but I know, just hearing you talk a minute ago, obviously we, we pay out on the, the Christmas holidays and the Easter holidays and the June, but just, just hearing the way that you actually said that and you talked about um, the lead up to Christmas is busy, February, March busy, we're back into it at Easter. We're then building into the spring season. It sounded positive. So if, if you're looking into Chris, the way you talked about it then, the Brisbane market sounded positive, the way you were talking about it. What do you, what do you think? What do you see? Well, I think we've, we've got a really desirable part of the world to live in. So the southeast corner is, is a really desirable place by uh, really every measure, climate, um, safety, you know, uh, job availability, um, affordability. Like we, we really tick every box in the southeast corner of, of Queensland. So I just think the interest or demand is not going to go anywhere quickly for properties here. Um, you know, we always talk about the Gold Coast and, and beachside Gold Coast is always popular because people just are drawn to the beach. They just want to live near the beach. It's just one of those aspirational things. So properties in that location will generally always hold their value because there will always be a buyer pool who, wanted, who want to do that. Um, so I look, I think the outlook and look, it's, um, it's such a loaded question because you, there's people that are far, far, far cleverer than I am that have far more data that, um, that get it wrong. And, and so do I, and the last couple of trends I haven't picked, I thought COVID was going to be the worst thing for our market and our business that that's ever happened. And it it turned up being one of the best things. Um, I certainly thought it was going to slow down, but I didn't think it was going to slow down as quickly uh, and as timely as it did at the start of this year, it was like someone pulled a handbrake up on one weekend so that, that it changed sort of overnight. I didn't think that was going to be the case. I thought it was going to be gradual. So whatever I say here, Scott, is probably going to be the opposite of what's going to happen. But <laughs> I just I just don't see much change. I think it's going to yeah. – these conditions are likely to remain for 
the foreseeable future. And that might be six months, it might be 12 months, it might be 18 months. But I just think this market will continue to, to peter along. Um, the two riders and that will be one, if interest rates, if they hold, if there's not much more significant change on the interest rate front, that may um, knock a bit of fear out of buyers. So at the moment they're fearful about the interest rates going up and up and up. If they stop and they hold them for a quarter, that may re-stimulate kind of more interest and more uh, more borrowing capacity for those buyers to to engage. Um, and the second thing is just you know we 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 it's it's a harder thing to predict than ever before. Like COVID was just such a thing out of left field that we've never had to experience or deal with anything like that before. And you know what? Who knows what the next thing on the doorstep could be or or is or like and that that could have a huge effect on our market positively or negatively like it's just amazing what covid did to our market here in southeast queensland the 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 biggest shift we noticed was the change from people making decisions based upon their working environment to making lifestyle based decisions and it took a pandemic for that to occur for people to look introspectively and say okay we're not going to buy this property because it's close to our work we're going to buy the property where we want to live and then we'll make work work around that, you know, working from home, whatever it might be. And that that's a fundamental change in people's decision-making. So who's what who's to say that the next fundamental change won't change something different? You know, who, who knows? But I just think it's going to hold for a while is my um, very long answer to a short question. And I think it's good just to get your perspective. You're out on the ground. You're talking to vendors all the time. You're seeing the buyers turning up. Um, you, you've got an understanding of, of bidders. It's certainly an indication from an on-the-ground perspective of, uh, you know, current demand, consumer confidence, et cetera. Um, I think it's similar to, to our perspective, of course. No one knows what the future holds. No one knows what's ahead of us. But based on what's happening today, right now, the fundamentals appear to be strong for Brisbane and we do not, certainly do not see the, um, you know, the market crashing, which is how some commentators are predicting the next um, six months, 12 months. Um, it's not like that in Brisbane. The buyers are there. There's a lot of nervous buyers that are definitely still sitting on the sidelines um, and taking a wait-and-see approach, um, but there's certainly not huge mass selling that's causing prices to fall. So, you know, from, from people that are on the ground, I guess that just does instill a little more confidence for those that are considering, is it the right time to buy? Is it the right time to sell? Because the answer to that is there's plenty of buyers in the market. We're looking for more sellers that, you know, want to bring their property in the market, uh, to the market. And if you are a seller, you know, there's definitely opportunity because buyers are still there and um, they're willing to pay market value. Mate, look, thanks very much. I think we've, we've covered, a, covered a fair bit of ground there. We know that you're watching Love Island, or is it Grey's Anatomy? I, I didn't quite get it. But... Um, my wife and I are watching Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy, it's, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not, not Love Island, mate. I think they've asked different things. But, um, yes, no, it's been a good um, good show, mate. It's been quite interesting. So we're not that yeah. far into it yet, so uh, we're looking forward to, to delving further. But, yeah, it, uh, we watch it and we think that's how a hospital works. So I'm sure the next time we go into a hospital, we'll be very disappointed as to yeah, exactly. Just like the block. Exactly right. We had a bidder last night um, that turned up and said, oh, yeah, we, we watched the block in preparation for our bidding and then we started talking about do we have to bid in weird numbers and things like that. Like oh. it's just these things that, that just very rarely happen that um, get normalised by shows like the block. But anyway, that's that's okay. It all adds to our um, to our individuality of every auction, that's for sure. Yeah, perfect. Well, mate, thank, thank you, Justin, for joining us. Um, we really appreciate it. It's always good to, good to chat and um, hopefully 
someone from our Streamline Property Buyers team will be chatting to you and negotiating with you again soon at an auction. We look forward to that. Um, but we really appreciate you taking the time out to have a chat to us. Um, I'll let Melinda wrap it up and say thanks again, but um, mate, I'll catch up with you soon. Um, and thanks very much for listening, everyone. Bye for now. Thanks so much for your time today, Justin. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. You are definitely the favourite part of my Saturday. You're my favourite uh, buyer's agency called Streamline, definitely, without question. <laughs> You're so kind. And, you know, we won't forget that uh, witty remark you made about um, Scott being at least two generations ahead of you. We'll hold that one and um, think about comeback in, in due course. But we appreciate you coming on the show today. Look, for listeners um, who have tuned in, thank you again for Um, taking the time to learn more about what's happening here in the Brisbane property market. If you've enjoyed this content, please leave us a review on iTunes and don't forget to share the content with friends and family. Have a fabulous week and we will speak to you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.